It's happening, readers. We have heard that you want paperbacks from our tailored book recommendation service called TBR. And I am delighted to let you know that we're going to be in sync with your request. That's right. We're bringing paperbacks. Whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, you're on a budget, you want a wider range of recommendations, or all of the above, now you can get a paperback subscription from TBR curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. We're bringing paperbacks. <laughs> You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 420, and today we are talking about books being released on June 27th, 2023, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Erica Ezefetti, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Erica! Hello! Welcome to the show! Hi! This is your first time. It's my first time. It's taken me a minute. I'm happy to be here. Nice to meet you. Well, verbally, I've communicated with you before, obviously. But yeah, fun. Fun time. It was our first time, like, talking. Yes. Like, Hearing. IRL. Right. Yes. Except not, like, IRL, but, like, vo- yeah, vocally, yes. It's nice. Yeah. They were like, it's your turn with the Muppet. Go get on the show. <laughs> I love Muppets. You're not a Muppet, but you're lots of fun so far. (laughs) So uh, since it's your first time on the show, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I am an associate editor with Book Riot. Um, I have a cat. (gasps) What's your cat's name? Saffron. She's a Uh. hot mess. (laughs) Yes, I love her. I was speaking to Danica the other day, and I was like, my bad A-word cat. And I was like, well, actually, she's not that bad, because I used to watch that show, Cats from Hell or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, with Jackson Galaxy, and I was like, maybe I shouldn't jinx myself. She doesn't, like, you know, attack me on sight. Steal your car. (laughs) Steal my car and take it for a joyride and do hood ride things with her friends. No, she's actually, like, (laughs) curse in the back of the school bus. No, she doesn't do any of that. So she's like, just a little disagreeable, but she's cute, you know, a little spicy, hence her name. Oh, uh, that's funny. Yeah. I think, I think you're the only person I've spoken to in, in many years who is in the same time zone as I am. Really? What? Yeah. Everyone okay. else is like Pacific, except for Tirza, who's central. Yeah. They make me do the math. I don't like math. <laughs> Math is bad. Tears and I have had a couple little shenanigans and oopsie daisies with the time because <laughs> I'm East Coaster and I'm like, everyone's on my time. I forget. But yeah, you should tell everyone why that is because because you do the podcast. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I was like, wait, yes, I yes, I do the podcast. Yes, I am also on a podcast. I co-host with Tears of Price, uh, the podcast, the YA podcast, Hey YA. So we're... Each, uh, well, every other week, we're chopping it up together. And then, of course, we do the miniature episodes each Very week. cool. Take turns. So it's a lot of fun, a lot of YA and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. So we do this thing every week where I look up the corresponding area code to the mm. episode number. And it turns mm-hmm. out it says that there is nothing for 420. That is so interesting. Yeah. Mm. So I'm sorry to hello to everyone out there who doesn't live in that area code, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) 
That's funny. But yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. But yeah. I also, I also learned how, what am I thinking of? I'm thinking of social security numbers. Mm. Like I did not know. And they said it's not true any longer, but up until just a few years ago, your, your social security number, the first three numbers were based on like the state where you were born, which I didn't realize. Really? Yeah. That's what it said, at least on Jeopardy. The, it was based on, what, the area code of the state you were born? No, like, just each state had a number, apparently. Oh. Like, my husband's is much lower than mine, and I just thought that was because he's 12 years older than me. <laughs> I was right. Like, I came later, <laughs> yeah. you know? But, I don't know. I like to watch the quiz shows because I still learn a lot of things that I had no idea about, so it's really fun. Yes. Let's see. What else is there to say? Hmm. Uh, I know what there is to say. We're going to hear from our first sponsor. It's happening, readers. We have heard that you want paperbacks from our tailored book recommendation service called TBR. And I am delighted to let you know that we're going to be in sync with your request. That's right. We're bringing paperbacks. Whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, you're on a budget, you want a wider range of recommendations, or all of the above, now you can get a paperback subscription from TBR curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. We're bringing paperbacks. All right. So we're going to talk about books going to be very exciting. But before we do that, I want to remind you about the Deep Dive Book Riot's most recent newsletter. It is a bi-weekly newsletter to inform and inspire readers delivered to your inbox. If you are looking for fascinating stories, informed takes, useful advice, and more, we draw from our collective experience as power readers, teachers, librarians, booksellers, muppets, and book professionals. And you can check it out. You get your first read for free. And go to bookriot.substack.com to get all the details and choose your membership level. There's a lot of really fun stuff that they were doing. Vanessa broke down the Mexican history of, like, Water for Chocolate. Danica went down the rabbit hole with Scratch and Sniff Publishing. Sharifa, I think it's Sharifa's piece you can read for free about the many arguments and options for tracking your reading. There's lots of good stuff. So go to bookriot.substack.com and check that out. Okay, so... I know we just invited you on the show for the first time, Erica, but mm-hmm. I think I want to talk about my first book for like the whole 30, 40 minutes, okay? That's fine. <laughs> I'll just sit here and listen. I'm t- I'm a captive audience. It's fine. It's totally fine. It's one of those books that I just cannot stop talking about. Mm. It's called The Theory of Everything Else, A Voyage into the World of the Weird by Dan Schrieber. This is my new favorite Hey Did You Know book. Those are the ones where you're like, hey, did you know that? Hey, did you know that to, like, everyone around you? So, in the intro, which actually, it turns out this book has, like, several sort of intros Hmm. where he's explaining what he's trying to do with this. Um, He talks about how this is a book where he'll mention theories because these are things that are not true or can't be proven to be true. But, like, lots of people believe them. It's very interesting. And they they may be true, but since they can't be proven... These are theories. So he talks a lot about famous people who have unusual beliefs, 
Like, Paul McCartney thought he met Jesus Christ one time. Oh, my God. You know, people who believe in aliens or think they were abducted, stuff like that. There's a whole chapter on Nobel Prize winning scientists who are a very unusual group. And he talks about how, like, they make these amazing achievements that win them the Nobel Award. But also, they have these banana pants ideas about other things. Like, for instance, the scientist who helped develop DNA testing also swears that he once had a midnight conversation with a phosphorescent raccoon in his backyard. Like, it was speaking English, swears it happened. Right? So, like, stuff like was that. Was he in New Jersey? <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> um, weirdly and eerily now, uh, there is a whole chapter on the Titanic. He talks about uh, how there was a novel that an author wrote years before the Titanic was even a thing that people talked about or had invented. And how this novel was about a giant ship that sank because it hit an iceberg and, and like how weird that was. He talks about some of the efforts to bring the Titanic up. At one time, they had the idea to fill it with ping pong balls and hopefully like bring it up to the surface. It's very interesting. So when I was a kid, we would drive to the grocery store and across the street from the grocery store was this house like way, way high up on a hill. Like, and like you couldn't approach the house from the front because it was just this like sheer front of this cliff. And every time we drove by, I swore that the window on their storm door, like the front glass piece, would open from the middle to the outside. Like every time we drove by, like the window was opening from the middle. And my mother did not understand what I was talking about. And she couldn't see it because I was short and sitting in the back seat and she was not. And for like a couple of years, I was convinced that the window of this house was opening from the middle to the outside, mm. which doesn't make any sense to begin with because glass doesn't move like that anyway. Mm. But, you know, I'm small. And then, you know, one day... It was shown to me that it was the reflection. Like, when we would drive by, it was the reflection of the sky and the, the light, and it made it look like that. You know, and I'm telling you this because there's a lot of, of chapters on here covering things that happen like that, where, like, it's something that you swear is true. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it can be proven, like, this is why this is happening. You know? Mm -hmm. He calls these things soft rocks for a very funny reason that I'm not going to spoil why they're called soft rocks. But there's, like, usually a perfectly reasonable explanation for things that no one else has seen, no one else can corroborate. You know, he also mentions very early on in the book one of my favorite stories that I always think about, like, when I'm like, well, there has to be a reason for it. I always think of this story of these scientists in Australia who work with this massive satellite. It's actually the satellite that helped get Neil Armstrong's first words from the moon mm. to the United States, bounced off the satellite in Australia. It's been there for a very long time. And... At one point, they thought they were receiving messages from space. Like, they started picking up this stuff. And I'm not going to spoil, like, what happened, but I always rely on that story when I'm like, there has to be a reason for it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's, like, just so many theories. Like, um, the invention of the Brazilian wax led to the near extinction of pubic lice. Okay. Which I've also heard that, like, Sex in the City, oh. which popularized the Brazilian wax, helped, helped lead to that. Um, there's a whole chapter about that, but they can't, like, prove it, but, like, it's a pretty good theory. There is a uh, chapter about a woman who composed an album of music that she claims she wrote with dead composers. Like, the dead composers came to her. Uh, all spoke English, first, you know, because, like, you do. Like, once you die, you can speak whatever language you want. And she, she made a whole album of their music. Uh, one reviewer noted that one of the pieces sounded suspiciously a lot like the Spider-Man theme, which made me laugh. But... <laughs> You know, um, supposedly, Victor Hugo swears that he wrote a play with Shakespeare's ghost, okay. who was now proficient in French, because, like okay. I said, most ghosts can now speak the language that you speak yeah. when they die. I started reading recently 
a book called Tune In, The Beatles, All Those Years, book one, because apparently this man, Mark Lewison, the author of this book, is the foremost Beatles expert. He is considered the the, the man who knows the most about the Beatles, mm. and he's writing a three-volume set about them. This first volume has come out, and he's been working on the next one for like ten years now. And this is all to say that I'm reading it, because in this book, Schreiber tells the awful and wild story of how Ringo Starr got his unusual drumming style. Like, it's nothing that you would ever think. It it was amazing. I kind of want to know now. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it for people. Okay, no spoilers, no spoilers. But maybe I'll tell you after if you're nice to me. But, you know, it reminds me of when I was a kid and I was reading these books of lists about weird things and the Guinness books and the time-life mysteries of the unexplained. My grandmother had all of those off the TV you know, it's just yes, really fun. I love those. And like I said, you're just going to go, what? What? Wait, did you know? Like a million times. It's really fun. So this is The Theory of Everything Else, A Voyage into the World of the Weird by Dan Schrieber. That was very interesting. I was not expecting that. <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting. I guess it just was not that. The Spanish Inquisition? <laughs> No, of course not, because nobody expects the Spanish no Inquisition. No one expects the Inquisition. <laughs> um, but no, that sounds super interesting. So my first book to talk about is Invisible Sun by Kim Johnson. And this is a YA book. Like I said, I dabble in YA heavily. And this one, looking at the title, I should have been like, okay, well, duh. But like early on, it makes it like pays homage to Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man. I have not read that book because it's 500 pages and ADHD. Uh, although I have started it and I've read like like a few pages. But in it, I remember, it has been a few years, in Invisible Man, I remember him talking about, the narrator talking about how he's invisible because he's black. And like, even when people do see him, they have this narrative that's already constructed that they like project onto him. And so they really don't see him at the end of the day. Anyway, so in the beginning of Invisible Sun by Kim Johnson, I feel like she references that by um, having the main character, the main character is Andre Jackson. And we open up, the book opens up with him being released from juvenile detention. He, he was there for some months for what we find out is a crime that he had nothing to do with. It was like he was hanging out with the wrong kids. And um, he's just like, type of kid Andre is, he's just chill. Like, he tries to do his homework. Well, no, he does his homework. He has little activities he does, all that good stuff. But he was hanging with some raggedy kids. And these are kids that like... They're all kind of like average kind of typical kids. Like, you know, they do their homework. It's nothing like super spicy going on at home for the most part. For the most part. Although I guess we do find out about spiciness later. But there's nothing like too hot going on at home. They're just like, you know, they're getting into trouble. His friends are getting into trouble for different reasons. But it's not because it's not necessarily because of survival. Okay, I'm rambling. Back to the beginning. Andre Jackson, in the beginning, he's being released from juvenile detention and he's with his, like, basically a counselor, Marcus. Marcus is driving him to his grandparents' house. And in the beginning, he's thinking about, so Kim Johnson pays homage or references kind of Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison by um, having Andre think like, he is like, you know, he's aware, he's a teenager, he's like 16 or 17, something like that. And he's aware of, he's noticed by himself certain 
you know, differences in how people are treated depending on their race. He gets treated differently from his white friends, et cetera, et cetera. And he he thinks about how he would rather stay invisible because once people see him, they throw him into juvenile detention. So it's like kind of like awful. So what happens with Andre? The reason he was in, in juvenile detention was because there were these things being stolen from these parties, like parties that his fellow high school students would throw. And because the kids were not supposed to be at those parties because they were drinking and different things like that, they the stolen items never went reported. But this kid, Paul's dad, decided to report them. So boom, he gets picked up, even though he wasn't even going to be at the party, he gets picked up. And he, trying to be a good friend, I guess, doesn't rat out his friends who actually did it. And so on top of that, someone plants some of the stolen items slash money in his locker and makes him look super guilty. Rude. Very, very rude. And he still doesn't, he still doesn't, he still doesn't tell. Let me tell you something, Liberty. We just met. (laughs) But if... If someone, if I'm not going to jail, (laughs) I'm not going to jail, juvie otherwise, if someone, I will be, I will talk about everyone. If I didn't do it, if I did it, then I'll be like, you know what? I did that. If I will be like, there was a little lady down the street. She had a walker. She was walking very suspiciously. I think you need to talk to her. She was scooting suspiciously, suspiciously scooting, if you will. She was dressed like the Hamburglar. Yes. All of that. She looked like she had jewels <laughs> under her. I don't know. Uh, yes, all of that. I, I am reporting on everyone. I'm not going to jail for anybody. So bless his heart. Yeah, he's a teenager. Frontal lobe still isn't developed. So he thought that was the good thing to do, you know. So he goes to juvenile hall and he thought his friends were going to come be like, you know what? Andre didn't do it. It was me all along. And they didn't. So he's in juvenile hall for some months and it's, it's just as terrible as you might think. And Kim Johnson does such a good job of like putting us into the mind of, well, I feel like the experiences, I don't know. I just felt all, I felt the feelings Andre felt. I feel basically. Okay. So he gets out. We see him get out and it's really sad because on top of everything else, it's sad because it seems like the people who he thought would believe that he was innocent, instead of believing he was innocent, they're just like, oh, you know, maybe don't do that again, but we're here to support you. And he's like, okay, thanks for your support. But girl, I didn't do it. Like, why would you like, well, how do you think I'm guilty? You know me. So he experiences, so he kind of gets this like really unpleasant, rude wake up call when he gets out. Um, And then he also finds out that one of his friends who is actually guilty. Okay. So the two guilty friends, Gavin and Eric. Gavin is a white kid. Eric is a black kid who was adopted by a well-off white family. He was adopted. Eric was adopted with his sister, Sierra. Sierra, well, Andre has a really big crush on Sierra. That's his little boo thing. Okay. When he gets out, so he thought at one point Eric was going to come forward and be like, it was me all along. But Eric didn't. When he gets out, he finds out that Eric is missing. He's been missing since Andre went to juvenile detention. And no one knows where he is. And it's just like, oh, he's gone. Oop. And it's like, okay, so, but like, have y'all, y'all haven't heard anything from him? Have you looked? Have you reported to the, like, a missing persons 
done a missing persons report with the police. And so Andre wants to basically like, you know, pop him in the lip for, you know, not coming forward. And, you know, him, he thought that Eric framed him. And I will leave it to you to read and find out if Eric did betray him, like by framing him or what. But part of why Eric is gone is related to Andre being falsely accused. And this takes place in like the month or so leading up to, how would I say this? Yes. Okay. Leading up to like when we first went on lockdown in the U.S. So Mm -hmm. it's going, it goes by dates. It's like, oh, February 20th, then February 20th, you know, all the way through. And so we're seeing all that. And this takes place in Portland, Oregon. So it talks a lot about gentrification because um, Andre's family was part of the black neighborhood that got replaced. So it deals with all these like complex and heavy topics. Yes, content warnings. So child abuse, racism, yes. Okay. Those things. Trying to... Let's say abuse because I don't want to spoil it. Okay. So, yes, if I feel like this is one of my favorite YA reads so far this year. It was just really good. I really liked it. I also learned some things about Portland, Oregon's history. Kim Johnson also, I recognized some things too. There were some different like news stories woven in that like when they appeared. I was like, oh, I think that is a real thing. So it touches on a lot of heavy topics. It um, is just really well written. I highly recommend. Again, that is Invisible Sun by Kim Johnson. All right. So I could tell that we really enjoyed these first two books because we both talked about them for a long time. <laughs> so we're going to have to speed up our next picks. Um, and I'm going to tell you my next one, which is Miss Fortune Cookie, a noodle shop mystery by Vivian Chien. We don't mention mystery series on here often. Like, there are lots of books that are amazing, that are farther along in series, but we don't talk about them because if you haven't read the first one, you usually have to have read the ones after it, with the exception of, like, romance novels. Um, and this is a cozy mystery series that I have enjoyed, and, you know, I was thinking about, like, we don't talk about series. We also don't talk about, a lot about picture books, like kids' picture books. Those mm. get a lot of attention. They deserve a lot of attention. I just got one about a spider that thinks he's a kitten. Very excited about this oh, one. Oh, that's precious. And art books. But, anyway, so I'm going to talk about this book because I enjoyed it and it's a series I like. The first one is called Death by Dumpling. They take place at the Holy Noodle House. The main character is Lana Lee. Um, I'm going to give you a little background that starts with the first book, obviously. Uh, she has quit her job and been dumped by her boyfriend and returned home to her family's Chinese restaurant, which is not where she wants to be. She's, like, sad that she had to do it. And so she's working there when the property manager of their building is poisoned at their restaurant. And now everyone in the restaurant is a suspect. And there's a handsome detective that comes to, like, work on the case. She's kind of, like, thinking he's cute, but he thinks she might have killed somebody. So that's, <laughs> you know, hard to make that work. Um, but the stories just follow, like, problems at the restaurant. You know, and one, that judge is murdered at a food competition. And another, one of their competitors' food trucks is blown up. If you're not familiar with the term cozy mystery, it means a mystery novel with very little gore or swearing or sex. Very often, um, they don't have 
a detective, an actual detective or police officer as the main character. They're like crimes that are being solved by amateurs, like people who own yarn stores and bookstores and restaurants. <laughs> and they always have like these fantastic punny names. My favorite of the series is Dim Sum of All Fears. And the taglines are just fantastic, like, Welcome to the Holy Noodle House, where the Chinese food is to die for. Welcome back to Holy Noodle House, where you can get fantastic takeout unless you get taken out first. That's my favorite one. <laughs> I love that. So, if you just enjoy, like, fun, cute, easy-on-the-brain mysteries, this is a great series to pick up. I will say, I love them. I have them all. Uh, and this is the ninth book in the series, Misfortune Cookie. Starting with the eighth book... They changed the cover size, because they come in mass market. They changed the size a little bit. So now it, like, sits a little taller than the first seven on my shelf, which makes my eyes want to bleed. Mm. So I just don't look over at that shelf, and then it's fine. Just don't look at it. Um, But they're just really fun. This is Misfortune Cookie, a noodle shop mystery by Vivian Chien. Interesting that I also chose a foodie, cozy mystery. Yes, which I'm excited to hear about because I did read the first one. Okay, so I'm goofy at times. I didn't realize when I chose this, when I chose to read this months ago, I didn't realize it was part of a series. So I actually did not read the first one. Well, that's why, that's why like cozy mysteries work really well because you don't usually have to, like, unless you really need all the details, you know, if you like need to know that like the character's car used to be red and now it's blue and it's going to ruin everything for you. If you find that (laughs) out first, like then please read them in order. But usually cozy mysteries do not have to be read in order. Yeah. They're very episodic in that way. So this one that, well, the, okay. The series is called Baker Street Mystery. The one I read, which is the second in the series, is Murder is a Piece of Cake by Valerie Burns. And basically, this is about she's like an influencer. And in the first one, she gets left at the altar. She's like live streaming her wedding. She gets left at the altar. And then, uh, which is a mess, obviously. But then she gets this surprise inheritance by a great aunt and she goes to live in the great aunt's house and the condition is that she has to like be there for a year run her bakery and care for her her great aunt's mastiff whose name is baby and he's like it keeps getting stressed that he's 250 pounds which i didn't know was possible for a dog i'm like is that real he is person sized but okay so We open back and Maddie is, you know, trucking along. She's got a new boo thing. You know, baby's there. She can't cook, even though she is trying to oversee this bakery. So basically her homegirl, April, is like the sheriff of this little town. And her, April's husband, not ex-husband, but current husband, because they technically did not get a divorce. He shows up and he's like this like mustache twirling villain almost like he's terrible like he only married april because back in the day april used to be like a pageant queen or whatever and so he winds up dead obviously because he has super duper a lot of enemies and he's unlike unlikable which is very um cozy mystery trope i feel but anyway so he winds up dead and but but before he died i should say Maddie entered into a kind of like gentle person's contest with him where they agreed that whoever won the 
like baking competition would get to the other person would have to close their shop. He was going to open a shop like across the street from her and hire like fly in this Belgian baker and be all fancy and stuff. And she agreed in the moment because she is very like um, capricious like that. But she also agreed mostly so that um, she could get him to divorce her friend April because he was not trying to give her a divorce. So that's that. So then he winds up dead and she's a suspect, as is April and a couple other people. And as you were saying, Liberty, this is just like a like a fun, like little lighthearted kind of thing. There's food in it. There's some humor. There's some doggy business. It's cute. There are recipes in the back of the book, which I actually am going to try. There's like this chocolate cake recipe that I'm like, okay, put some espresso in it. So it's cute. So yeah, it's just a fun little cute time. Again, Murder is a Piece of Cake by Valerie Burns. And yes, you don't have to have read the sec- the first one. Sorry, I totally, because she does like a little recap in it. So you totally gave me an idea if I ever write a cozy mystery foodie novel. Hmm. I'm going to call it Mustache Twirling Vanilla. <laughs> That's perfect. That's what I thought you said at first. I didn't hear villain. I heard vanilla. So I was like, oh, that makes sense. It's a foodie novel. It was meant to be. Yes. (laughs) All right. Those are books that we have read and enjoyed. We are going to tell you about a few more books here in a moment that we may not have read, but are excited about. But first, we are going to hear from another sponsor. Okay. How the time flies. I always Hmm. feel like I have all this time. And then I realize like we spend so much time talking about our first few books. We don't yes. have much time left. Yes. Um, so I'm going to quickly tell you about my next pick, which is the Bach Ness Monster, speaking of great <laughs> puns, by Natalie Reese and Sarah Goder. This is a middle grade graphic novel from the creators of Dungeon Critters, which is an awesome middle grade graphic novel. I have actually read this, so I'm going to give you a brief description. It's about a middle grader named Penny. When she was a little kid at camp, she ended up in the water and had to be rescued. She ends up being rescued by the Bach Ness monster who returns her to land. But nobody believes that Penny saw Bessie, which is what they call the Bach Ness monster. But it does make her mother wildly overprotective of her because she nearly drowned. And now, like, for the rest of her life, her mother is just hovering, constantly worried that something bad is going to happen to her. Um, and then now she's in middle school when the book opens. And her mother explains to her that they have to move away because her mother has taken a new job. She's very upset about this. She wants to have a last hurrah with her best friends, Luke and Kay. So they decide they want to go on a camping trip, even though her mother is like, no, not a camping trip. No, not near a lake. Like, what if you go in the water? Uh. So she makes her agree that she won't leave her sight. But of course, as soon as they get there, they give they give Penny's mother the slip. And they find out through some adventures that unusual creatures are disappearing from the area. And they run into Penny's old friend, Bessie. It's very Gravity Falls, which is like the greatest show ever. <gasps> I just, that's like my favorite show I watch. I all love the time. Gravity Falls. <gasps> awesome. We're new BFFs. Yes. <laughs> it's, of course, you know, really fun, like Dungeon Critters. The art is bright and the story is great. And I read this at the beginning of January, so forgive me if I'm not remembering correctly, but I do think it leaves the ending open for a sequel. So that is The Buck Ness Monster by Natalie Reese and Sarah Goder. Nice. Yes, the Gravity Falls uh, comp got me like, oh, I should rewatch that, actually. You should, good because show. it's amazing. I actually have a Dipper Pines baseball cap, and <gasps> every once in a while, I will be out, and it's always a kid who is like, oh, you have a Dipper Pines hat. And I was like, yes, I do. 
<laughs> if we saw each other in person, it would you be would me. know. I'd be like, yeah. oh, you have a Dipper Pines hat. Wow. Amazing. Okay, so what I have, next one I have, I have not read this. It's titled The Rachel Incident by Carolyn Donahue. And this is like what I feel like is like, I don't know, I feel like I'm into these type of books where it's like characters are a hot mess. And I feel like hot mess characters are having a moment right now too. So this is about friends in Ireland. They're like an undergrad or whatever. And um, so you have Rachel, naturally, and she becomes friends with this guy, James, and they're like roommates and they become friends. But then Rachel starts to like really get the hots for her professor, Dr. Byrne. Dr. Byrne is married, but James, her, you know, new bestie is messy. And he's like, go for a girl. Like, you know, don't even let that stop you. And so one day... <laughs> During like a reading or something, I think Dr. Dr. Burns is doing a reading at a bookstore. Rachel walks in on Dr. Bird and James like making out. And she's like, oh, okay. So you, you know, encourage me to go for this married guy. And then now you're making out. So interestingly, though, she's not like, she's not mad about it. So her and her friend James, they start to... Like, their relationship starts to change in a kind of, like, codependent way. And she starts to date this other guy. And then there's, like, an affair and all these different messy things. So it sounds interesting. And like I said, uber messy. So I'm, you know, I'm here for it. Again, that's The Rachel Incident by Carolyn Donahue. I have read the first 30, 40 pages Mm, of this. I started mm -hmm. it. And um, because I had heard it was amazing, it's getting all kinds of amazing reviews. Yes. And it is it is very good. It, like, opens with, like, when they're much older and she's hearing from one of them that there is news about another one of them. And I'm not going to tell you, like, who it is, but... Yeah. It's being compared to Sally Rooney, but, it get, like, I keep having to say this, I still haven't read Sally Rooney, so I have no idea. I still have not read Sally yeah. Rooney either. But I, I wonder no if idea. that's just because it's Irish... Really? Well, because they're both Ir- Irish, right? It takes yeah, place in Ireland. That's like possible. Sally Rooney. Yeah. I mean, I haven't read Sally Rooney, so. Yeah. But no, it's it's really quite good. I'm definitely going to get back to it. But then I saw that you were doing it for the show, so I, I wandered off and did something else, um, like, as I want to do. Uh, my other pick for today that I'm going to quickly tell you about is one that uh, Jen Northington from Book Riot and SFF. Yeah, podcast uh, just mentioned, and I hadn't read it yet, so I'm excited to read it. It's called The Archive Undying by Emma Miko Kandon. This is a sci-fi debut about giant mecha set in a land destroyed by a robot god. Apparently this robot god goes on a tear and decides to just rid the world of everything except for its favorite child, who he now leaves to roam the world alone. Uh, And years later, we follow this child as he is trying to make his way. The quote, because I I really, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on here and I haven't read it. So the quote on the jacket says, it is the first volume of Emma Miko Candon's Downworld sequence, a sci-fi series where AI deities and brutal police states clash, wielding giant robots steered by pilot priests with corrupted bodies. There's a whole lot of adjectives. In that sentence. has a lot of descriptors, yes. But it sounds really fun, and Jen said it was a great time, so I'm going to check it out. It is The Archive Undying by Emma Miko Candon. 
That sounds really good. All right. So another one I have not even opened yet. It's The Crooked Plow by Itamar Vieira Jr. It's translated by Johnny Lorenz. Translated from Portuguese. The author is Brazilian. So this one promises some like magical realism and historical fiction and stuff like that. So basically, it's like these two sisters are in this like kind of like Brazilian countryside and they find this ancient knife underneath their grandmother's bed and like it has you some do. Kind of, like you do like you just do you do you know you just do that and there's some kind of power and they decide to taste its metal which again like you do I guess like metal yeah, tastes like bad. metal <laughs> <laughs> yes it Lock does like Hello, tetanus is real, okay? <laughs> tetanus is a thing. Um, they decide to taste it. So then something bad happens, as you might imagine, and that thing that happens binds them together forever, and it, like, sets them on a course in life, and then we see what happens on that course. And basically, this is about... One of Brazil's like poorest areas, it goes through, it's like a family saga, it goes through three generations, follows these people after slavery is abolished, and it covers all these different things. It's very highly rated. Like I said, it, well, I think it was first published in 2019 and, um, is translated and published recently. The, tra- the translated version was published recently. But yes, that is basically it. Like I, and it's also short. It's like 230 pages. So you can like, you know, Get that real quick. So yes, it is Crooked Plow by Itamar Vieira Jr., translated by Johnny Lorenz. I'm looking forward to that one. I don't mm, have a galley, mm. so I want to check it out. Yeah. It'll be out this Tuesday. So those are our picks for today. Now it is time for the paperback lightning round, where I will tell you about a few books out today. There are so many good books out in paperback today from hardcover. I could not tell you all about them. In, in a short time, so I had to just hit some highlights here, starting with Ace of Spades by Farida Abika Imide. This is a book I have favorite. It's a YA about two high school students who are being blackmailed by someone named Ace, who says that they are going to release their secrets to all their classmates unless they do as Ace commands. Who is Ace and how did they stop them? Another book I have favorite. Oh my goodness, I love this book so much. The Book Eaters by Sunyi Dean. This is a fantasy-slash-horror novel about a group of people called The Family, who, instead of eating food like you and I, eat books. Like, literally eat books, which just sounds amazing. And (laughs) they also learn from the text that they eat. Like, the words that they ingest, like, help them learn. Um, And Devin is the main character, and she is on the run because she doesn't agree with the family's practices. She also has a child who, instead of craving books craves brains oh dang so yeah it's hard to go places when your kid wants to eat people's heads yes yeah yeah also out alias emma by ava glass which is about a british spy who has 12 hours to deliver the spy goods across london without being intercepted by the russian spies who have hacked into the cct cctv that's what i want now ava glass is a pseudonym and it doesn't tell us who it is but supposedly they are someone who worked in sort of intelligence and were a spy, which we just have to believe, I guess, until we find out who Ava Glass is. But so they, apparently they know their stuff. 
Also out today, one of my favorite books of last year. Talked about it so many times. Let's talk about it again. Our Wives Under the Sea by Julia Armfield. That one's on my list. Yeah. Well, now it it has, like, like I was talking about the Titanic earlier, now it has, like, a different feel to it right now because of the news about that submersible. All of these water ocean things. Yeah. Yeah. So this is about a couple, Mary and Leah. Uh, Leah works as a scientist on a submarine. She goes out on a two-week journey, and they lose communication, and she doesn't come back. And Mary doesn't know what has happened, and the submarine is given up for lost. And then all of a sudden, many weeks later, it resubmerges, and Leah comes out. And now Mary, we get to hear, like, Mary's life while she's waiting and worrying and wondering, like, what is happening to, to Leah and where she could be, and then, like, trying to deal with the fact that she's lost her. That alternates between chapters with Leah's experience in the submarine under the ocean. Mm. Then, Bog and Swamp, A Short History of Peatland Destruction and Its Role in the Climate Crisis by Annie Prue. This is a fascinating nonfiction about peat, which is, like, I didn't really ever think... I heard people talk about, like, peat bogs and, like, peat moss, but it wasn't until recently I read a couple of books, a couple of books, including this one. Like, peat is very interesting. It's like a thing. That's, like, in the swamp, and you, like, cut it out by hand. It's, like, still, like, it's, and it's a source of fuel. It's very interesting. Oh, yeah. That does sound familiar. And this looks at the eradication of peatlands from the author of the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, The Shipping News. Well, that was Unexpected by Jesse Q. Sutanto. This is one of my favorite YA novels of 2022. It's a rom-com about two kids in Indonesia who wind up spending time together after their parents catfish one another. Like, (laughs) her parents are talking to him, thinking it's him, and it's actually his parents talking to her. So, like, the parents catfish one another, and they wind up having to hang out together, and at first they don't like each other, but things will change. This is from Jesse Q. Sutanto, who has written, like, a bazillion books now. This is, like, I think she has three books coming out this year, but she's also the author of things such as A is for Aunties and Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers. The Rabbit Hutch by Tess Gunty, which won the 2022 NBA for fiction. That's not basketball. That's the National Book Award. It is set in an apartment building over one weekend in July with some unusual characters and something's going to happen. Mercury Pictures Presents by Anthony Mara. If you've not read A Constellation of Vital Phenomena by Anthony Mara, I suggest that you run out and get it right now because it's such a beautiful novel. This is his most recent novel. It's set in the world of Hollywood before and during World War II. And The Mermaid of Black Conch by Monique Rafi, about a fisherman who meets a mermaid and then rescues her when she's kidnapped by American tourists. But when he brings her home, she turns back into a human because she's on land. And that's what happens then. I haven't read this one. I've heard it's very good. So very excited to check it out. So those are our new books and our paperback releases. Erica, what are you going to read next? I want to read The Sleeping Car Porter by Suzette Mayer. So good. Oh, you've read it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So there is a mudslide that um, basically strands a train and there is this... Okay, first of all, let me say it's like the late 20s and there is a queer black sleeping car porter and he... Again, I have not read this, but he has to... We follow him as he deals with 
the racism and then there's ghosts and then he has a love affair and it just sounds really interesting. I love reading about this time period, especially with black people. Like I love the Harlem Renaissance and all that good stuff, but yes. So you think I should read it basically. Oh yeah. It's amazing. It also won, I can never say these words in the right order, the Giller Scotiabank Prize, the Scotiabank Giller Prize, the big Canadian yes. Literary Award, which I can never yes. remember without Scotiabank Giller Prize. Yes, yeah, I'm go. looking right at it. That's the only reason yeah. I know. Which I like. I find that of all the literary awards, I seem to love those the most. I have noticed that I, yeah, I tend to vibe with certain awards and not others. But I don't know if I've read any Scotiabank ones. So I'll have to see. You'll have to check it out now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I got my hands on a copy of Interesting Facts About Space by Emily Austin, and I screamed real loud because (laughs) Austin is the author of Everyone in This Room Will Someday Be Dead, which is one of my favorite novels of recent years. And this one is about another interesting person, this young woman who's really interested in space and true crime, and she's afraid of her neighbor, and she has a lot of anxiety, and, you know, a lot like her last novel, Anyway, it's really good. I'm only 50 pages into it, but I have to say, I, I don't often do this, but I had to stop and, and write a note to Emily Austin because mm. the main character is deaf in one ear, and I am deaf in one ear, and I've never read a book that so perfectly captured that experience mm. that I was, like, crying because I was just like, this yeah. is what it's like. Like, I try to explain it to my husband sometimes, yeah. like, and all these things, that, and I'm never able to, like, do it well, and... So I sent her a note saying, like, this is amazing. Yes. <laughs> she said, you know, like, she worked with somebody to to get it right and asked them, like, about their experiences. And so that made me so happy. Amazing. <laughs> I love that. And plus, like, she's so freaking funny. Just, mm-hmm. like, so funny. So I'm very excited to keep going, which I will do, like, as soon as we finish uh, recording this podcast, which has come to an end now. Well, not now. I'm going to say a few more words. Uh, that is it for us today, though. You can check out the deep dive at bookriot.substack.com. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Erica, where can people find you online? On Twitter at Erica underscore easy E underscore. All right. And I mostly hang out on Instagram at Friends and Comes Alive, although I have been spending a lot of time on Blue Sky. It's mm. early days yet, so I'm enjoying that right now. Like you it's like when I first started Twitter, you could like go back and like catch up to your timeline. It's pretty wild. And if you would like to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is you get your podcast in a peat bog, maybe. Uh, you can leave a rating <laughs> or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime... Happy Happy reading. reading.